Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Winnie Pooh, and this is episode 246. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez. That is at Presidente on Twitter, at least for a little bit longer. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Uh, Prez, how are you doing? I'm good. Just uh, enjoying it while it all burns down. It's been a long uh, 15 long years or coming. so. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it would happen this Elon. fast. Well, Elon Musk, real smart guy. Just ask him. Uh, <laughs> all right. But before we get started, uh, I do have to announce that the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. And these are important now because Twitter may not exist. Uh, there's a $6 tier. That gets you access to this pod, Pod Strickland, that we do every Friday with me and Prez. You also get access to... The Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Drew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, the Doug Bag, that comes out every other week along with Dallas and Nico. You also get access to, and much more importantly now, the Strickland Discord, where you can still communicate with us, uh, directly even. And uh, we all have a very good time yelling about the Knicks. That exists It, it may also- actually be more chaotic than Knicks Twitter. <laughs> It might be. There's a lot of channels going on. Uh, there's also a $9 tier that gets you access to Stricker Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. More importantly, you get access to wonderful weekly premium articles by Jack Conley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So, without further ado, uh, let's get started. The Knicks, uh, the Knicks won. The Knicks won two games in a row. Two places that they normally do not win, especially Denver. Last time they won in Denver. Fun fact. Last time they won in Denver, I was not legally able to drink alcohol. Uh, so... It's been a long fucking time since they won in Denver. I don't I was care. Not even close to able to drink. <laughs> I know. Well, you're what? Two years younger than me, right? I don't know. I guess. What are you? You're. I'm, I'm 88. Let's, let's, oh, so you're, you're younger than me. I'll you put it on the streets. Than? I'll put it on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> what you, was it? 2006 like when we last won. Yeah. Yeah. So you were like 18. Well, that, that's the year I graduated high school, though. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I know you grew up in like the city, so I'm sure you never had alcohol before you were fucking 18 years old. But um, you oh, weren't that far fucking, off. The off. fucking opposite for me, because I was in stupid boarding school. So I was like, fuck, al- alcohol was like, <laughs> kids were doing fucking hard. It was worse in boarding school than it was <laughs> in the fucking Bronx. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure. I, I, I 100% believe that. Um. But, look, they, they won two games. I don't actually care that they... I mean, I care that they won, don't get me wrong. But I'm, like, more... <laughs> I'm more interested in disgusting, kind of, like, 
the choices they made, especially yeah. in the Denver game, because like How? we've shit, yeah, like we've talked about like Julius is a problem because X Y Z things, and Tibbs is a problem because X X Y Z things. All like the the Utah game actually, for me, I didn't come out of that thinking much about Julius. Other like I had the same exact thoughts about Julius that I've always that I've had now for a while. And I had generally the same thoughts I have about Tibbs for a while, but like, okay, whatever. It was a fun win. Great. This doesn't change anything. Denver game's a little bit different because I think both of them engaged in, like, they, they played and they, they made decisions that are exactly the type of things that we have been like, mm-hmm. he's never going to fucking do it, but if he did it, this would be great. Like, like Julius. And and uh, at Frank Barrett, Jeffrey Rasmussen, who's been on the pod many times, he does all our shout out, Jeff, because he did uh, like eighteen threads. threads for one game. <laughs> yeah, um, but like he talked about how Julius, most of his shots were assisted shots. He didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't do a bunch of his bullshit shot creation stuff. Um, he rebounded well. He played hard. Flow, like he yeah. just played hard. He he defended well, and yeah, he played in the flow. That's the best way to put it. And in the case of Tibbs, like. Did he still do stuff that was like very weird and tipsy? And yeah, like I mean, I get that RJ wanted to be out there, but he was like, I don't care, like if he was healthy or not. He's just playing like shit. Like he shouldn't have played as much as he did. But just but, give him a, even if you do want to keep him out there, like maybe just give him a breather, let him collect himself, yeah. then send him out. <laughs> yeah, and, but I wanted to say this because this has actually been the case for two games. He's cut the rotation to nine. We'll talk about the grind thing, but. First of all, like he cut the rotation to nine. He's done an interesting thing with RJ and Cam that he usually has never done. He has staggered them and basically given them three rotations each in each half, which is not normal for him. He does not like that. Starters usually get two mm. big rotations a half, and that's that. No, he's actually staggering them in a very meaningful way, which has helped, not helped, but also led to more diverse pairings than we have seen. We've seen Brunson IQ Cam. We've seen Brunson IQ uh, RJ. We've seen Rose IQ Cam. We've seen Rose IQ RJ. This is the type of stuff that we wanted to see. And we've seen all of those guys play with Obi and play with Sims and play with Randall. And it's like you're actually seeing now more combinations than we've seen. Granted, this is two games. But these this is a good sign. This is actual genuine progression from Tibbs. And yesterday, he did the thing that <laughs> He he just never does, right? Two things. One, obviously, closed with OB and Randall, um, which he's done now twice this year, which is interesting. But he did this. I, it was a lot more meaningful in this game, I thought, anyway. Um, but, like, he closed with OB, and, uh, OB and, and Randall. And most importantly, he closed with the best five guys. He closed yep. with the best five guys, the guys that deserve to be out there the most. He closed with Brunson, IQ, Cam, OB, Randall. And... I, I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna for sure like pull pull IQ after the third quarter. Because IQ like played a really mm. good game, but he clearly mixed up the shot clock and the game clock at the right. end of the quarter. That was a, so that was a big yeah. And it was just like so stupid. It was like what the hell? But he so he we didn't even get a shot up. And then Bones hits a crazy ass three at the buzzer. And then and then to start the fourth quarter I, by the way, I thought that was actually an offensive foul, but Bones gets an and one. I didn't think quickly actually fouled him. I thought it's either an offensive foul or just a no call because Bones was like flailing his legs out, whatever. Maybe he shoots like that, but like 
just don't wasn't about anyway. He gets an N one. I was like, oh, that's it. Like he's done. You know, he's he's gonna come out for sure. Left him in. So he deserves credit for all that. He deserves credit for going with Cam over RJ. Yes, it might have seemed simple to us, but for a man like Tom Thibodeau, that's actually a big call for him. And Huge call. Uh, um, and again, like the Obi thing was great. He he went with those guys. And yes, yes, Denver was playing small. Yes, they didn't have Nikola Jokic. Do I think he does that if Nikola Jokic is playing? No, I don't. But like the fact that he did it in any scenario. The whole the whole something. thing is like there are times when right you should do it. I've got of course against the three hundred pound guy, maybe not the best time, but there's a lot of times where you should do it and experiment. And like you said, to his credit, he actually did that shit, and then even went above and beyond by timely adding Sims out there for defensive versatility reasons at the very end of the game. So it was like it was like a like consecutive miracles that shit was crazy yeah 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 it was great it was great um he was great and uh he deserves credit for it and randall deserves credit for his play but here's the thing and this is this is the rub none of this matters if it's just a one-off thing if it's this has to be now and it's not just you know we'll talk we can talk about randall a little bit but like to bring it back to tibbs I'm so happy he played IQ as many minutes as he did and Obi as many minutes as he did. But, like, this has got to be... They can't have to prove themselves every fucking time they're on the floor. Like, this has to be a thing now where you're like, okay, they're good. They've proven to me they're good over many, many minutes, multiple seasons, many games. Different combinations. Yeah, you, you have to just trust that, and you've got to give them a shot. They have to play 20... I think they... I think... Ideally, they both have to play 25 minutes a night. That's obviously easier for IQ for many reasons than mm-hmm. it is for Obi. Mm-hmm. But like that needs IQ needs to play 25. Obi needs to play 20. That needs to happen every single game. And I don't care when Mitchell Robinson gets back. I don't care which one of those centers goes out of the rotation. One of them's got to. One of them's got to. And it cannot affect Obi Toppin's playing time. So that means that means in a game like yesterday, you close with Obi and Randall over Mitch and Randall. Like just like it just has to be that way. Obi's and it's not playing. and that's not a weird thing. Like I, I we were talking the other day about um Jackson Frank's article on the Blazers on Uprocks. Like how much does Nurkic get paid? Seven. Like about what Mitch gets, right? Yeah, or a little more. Yeah, there's yeah, a little more. Regular there's regular occasions where they don't close with him. And it's not a big deal. It's just what they it's just team by team. That's just the nature of the center position today. Like, unless you're a franchise playing center, you should not expect a consistent 30 minutes. That's just not how... That'd be like a closer expecting to go three innings every time he's out in 2022. It just... That's just not how the sport works now. And, like, we've been behind the curve in that, and we're fortunate enough now to have... You know, we talk about the deep roster, and that applies to the center position, right? You have Obi, Randall, Sims... Hartenstein, Mitch, you have a wealth of options. Each of them gives you a different look. And that's a strength. That shouldn't be like, oh, I don't know what, like, uh, that shouldn't be something that Tibbs has to, like, fight. That should be something that he has to take advantage of. And it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a disrespect to Mitch at 15 million, let alone anybody else making half as much. Like, 
15 is not that much. Better centers play less who are fine with it. Like, it, it, this is very commonplace. It's not galaxy brain. It's not some fucking super advanced thing. You don't have to be a 32-year-old coach. I don't know how old Chauncey Billups is, but he's not fucking Will Hardy, and he does it all the time, and he's fine. So, like, this is – and he's a new coach, relatively speaking. So, this is not – this isn't some – you're not asking him to do crazy Nick Nurse shit here. This is pretty a pretty low bar. And Mitch, guess what? Like, Mitch will be fine. Like, he got paid. His team will be better for it. And, like, yeah, these guys care about minutes. But, like, they actually also care about winning. Like, believe it or not. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sure Mitch, if you asked him with truth serum, and you were like, would you rather play an average of 20 minutes per game and win a lot more or play 30 minutes and win a lot less, he would tell you 20 minutes per game. That's the most, that's how most NBA players are. Yeah. And here's the thing. If you win, nobody's going to say, nobody can say anything. Nobody will say right. anything. Um, but like the other thing is this. Obi Toppin has the potential to move the needle in a way that Mitchell Robinson can't. In a way that Jericho Sims can't. In a way that Isaiah Hardenstein can't. He like that has to be something you value more than the known quantity, consistent, boring thing of competence. Because there's a place for competence and there's a place for consistency. And you know, fuck that. It's not like Obi's been inconsistent. Obi's been very consistent. Like he's been really, really consistent as a shooter, as a player, as a player. He's hardly had any bad games. Yeah. Like (laughs) this isn't like last year where he would alternate in the first half between like hitting the side of the backboard and like windmill dunks in a half or something (laughs) right so it just it's it's something that you as a coach and as an organization and this like so this game says a lot about everything right where it's like i think the front office is actually assembled a pretty decent roster that has more upside and potential and all those things than they get credit for but they have to pick somebody who will put who will lean into those things and give those higher upside looks a, a shot and Tibbs had not been that guy he's never been that guy as a coach he had not been that guy to this point in New York but he showed some signs yesterday and at the same time one of the reasons why we wanted Julius Randle gone and why we put that on the front office is the way he had been playing for the better part over a year right it's a, basically a, a year a, a full a full season and 14 games yeah, about a calendar uh, year, like, yeah. Right. Like, the way he'd been playing was like an asshole, like a selfish asshole who was not interested in accommodating his teammates, who was not interested in sublimating his game, who was not interested in competing defensively, giving right the right effort, in all of those things. And yesterday he did it. So it's like, like, we, I have, I'm, you know, I've been very critical of like, you're trying to have everything, but you're not making decisions. Yesterday is like a point in the in the favor of like, maybe this is worth persisting with if these decisions, if these outcomes keep happening. And I'm not talking about wins and losses. We're talking about process stuff, leaning in on lineups that we have not leaned on. And, you know, look, injuries, Tibbs deserves credit for this too. Like the injuries have obviously made it easier, but Cam, being a not just a starter, but a guy that he's leaning on, uh, and you know, in pretty critical ways defensively and to close games, like 
the fact that he went from I'm so mad you traded for this guy because I don't want to have to deal with another person to starting him and choosing him to close games and like all this kind of stuff is I mean that's that says a lot and like I'm sure that Tibbs was upset they didn't trade Redondo and Mitchell. I'm a hundred percent sure of that. But you've got to deal with the hand you got. And the hand he got isn't that bad. It is not that bad. It's pretty damn good. They got him a twenty a, a point guard who's averaging twenty and seven, fifty-eight true shooting is an absolute game breaker at the end of games in terms of being able to hunt mismatches and create shots for himself when the game slows down. He, they got him that. They got him a center who is different from their other centers who has a different skill set. They drafted Obi Toppin, who, when you play him with Randall at the five, there are situations where that's super dynamic. They got him a wing and cam who is versatile and big and and can play multiple positions and defend multiple positions in a way that nobody else on this roster can. They gave him a like they got him talent. They got him versatile pieces. Did they get him a star? They got him a superstar? No. But, like, guess what? A lot of coaches don't have superstars, like we talked about. Will Hardy with Utah. You think anybody on the team's a fucking superstar or a star? Like, I'm happy that Laurie Markkinen's gotten off to a good season for your sake, Prez. But he's not a star. He's not a superstar. He's a really, he's a good player who's being optimized by a coach who is playing to his skill set. And, like, that's what you have to do as a coach. Are you going to win a championship this year? Is Tim going to win a championship this year? Nobody has ever held him to that criteria, held him to that standard. All we have said is that this team should be in the plan at the very minimum. And if you lean into certain combinations, you might unlock an upside and might hit an upside that gets you an automatic playoff berth. That's it. That's it. Get get to around 500, make the plan, and I think and you do those things. You experiment with lineups. You, you do that. You increase the value of your young guys. Yeah. And and not just that. We would all just be like, okay, Tibbs, Tibbs did fine. Like, he, he tried his best. He tried some things. And... Okay, this is this now we have a better understanding of the talent on our roster and what it can do and what we understand the combinations more. We understand what pairings look like, different lineup combinations. And and like we didn't have that at the end of last year, which was the ultimate frustration. And it was also very frustrating to feel the same way at the start of this year. But he did show against Utah and much more against Denver that maybe, you know, maybe the old dog can learn some new tricks, you know? Maybe he can learn some new tricks. And if he does, guess what? I'm not going to be sitting here asking for him to be gone. The only reason I want I wanted him gone because of the decisions he was making. If he stops making decisions like that, I will be less inclined to want him gone. Probably won't want him gone at all. Because, as we're seeing with Cam, and we've seen with a lot of other, other young guys, his approach may be insane with young players, but they do get better under him. They do improve under him. And that does count for something. And would have been probably the biggest concern in a way of firing him. But like development has to come hand in hand with increased opportunities on the floor. And that's where he'd come up short. If that changes, then we're talking about a totally different situation. Yeah. It, he's, he's actually very fortunate in that like the process which he took to get here was utter shit, but he can completely salvage his job. He can completely salvage his job. I promise you, like, the Knicks have one of the biggest analytics squads in their front office in the NBA. There is a 99.9% chance that the majority of them see all the same shit we see. A 100% chance. Because this isn't some fucking 
special galaxy brain. You need to be Red Holzman or you need to be fucking a Mensa genius brain data cruncher. Like this is you don't got to basic... be like Elon Musk. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to be like Elon Musk. <laughs> you don't even have to be like the engineers who are leaving upon in droves from working for Elon Musk, right? Like. I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks hire a bunch of those dudes. That's how much the Knicks care about analytics in terms of their front office. But that hasn't made its way to Tibbs. So, you know, like, this is happening now. And if it continues to happen, like you said, you you can motivate Tibbs to kind of lean into this. And obviously, he's not going to turn into Nick fucking nurse. But, like, again, you're asking him... it's. If you go around the league, like I know a lot of us who a lot of people, you know, don't have time to watch a zillion fucking NBA teams, right? Because everybody got lives and shit, unlike us. But like this kind of experimentation is absolutely regular. Not using hockey shifts, absolutely regular. Like nine man rotations, 10 man rotations with different combinations, absolutely regular. Many different looks at the center position, absolutely regular. Like this is really. Tibbs, he's the kind of coach who has great strength and great weaknesses. We've covered that many times on this pod. And if he can ameliorate the biggest weakness he has now, then it doesn't matter that he's ignored all these analytics people for 500 days. This is the rare job where you could literally ignore experts, other experts who you work with, for 500 days completely. And come out fucking golden. I shouldn't say there's a rare job like that because lots of people fucking fail upward all the time. Um, so maybe that's the wrong analogy. But my point is like, despite all the fuckery, like you come out of this golden. It's up to him. It's up to him. I mean, and the, the biggest thing is that Leon doesn't want to fire him. Leon doesn't want to fire him. Like, yeah, luckily so, for him. <laughs> yeah. So if he, wa- if he takes this opportunity and look, he's a 64 year old man. So if he does take this opportunity and he evolves and he, does all these things that we were like, please just try this stuff. Like that would be amazing personal growth, by the way. Um, but like on a professional level, that would show everything that you're looking for. Like, because, you know, is he going to be the coach that leads you to a championship? Probably not. And even if you no. got a star, I don't think you would. Nor did we hire but him. He doesn't, <laughs> right, but he doesn't have a star. He doesn't have a star. So we're not holding him to a standard of like, you got to get us somewhere like significant, you know, I think, I don't even think anybody would be, be like, you've got to be competitive in a first round playoff series or something. I mean, it, it would be great. Fantastic. But I think standard is just like, be competitive, make the play in, maybe get a playoff spot, develop your young guys and we'll see what happens. Like that's it. So all the stuff that we bitch about, you know, from his lack of creativity offensively and all this kind of stuff, like that can all kind of be ignored for a period of time right now, if he's just doing stuff like attempting different lineup combinations and rotations and staggering and things of the of that nature, like if he just does that, we don't even need to have a conversation about schematic changes and like, you know, new systems and all this kind of stuff. And like, you know, I mean, I thought even a small thing yesterday that was pretty encouraging was him bringing Jericho back in for that last possession uh, or the second to last possession, I guess that Denver had because a lot of like he hasn't always been good at making offense defense subs. Right. And when he does do it, he usually errs on the side of like 
it'd be like weird things, right? Where it's like, oh, we're going to have Frank come in after not playing at all ever in this game to defend Trey Young. Like, it was just kind of like crazy stuff like that. Whereas, like, yes, I know Jericho had actually played in this game. He hadn't played for a little while, but like, he brought him in in a key moment. And he also didn't have him play drop coverage, which is like the main thing. He was like, okay, Jericho can switch and like do stuff. Like, this everybody is the, was this fucking is the switching happened. yesterday. It was crazy. Yeah. So it's like, like, like you have this roster that can do different things. You don't have to play one way. Like you don't have to play drop coverage till like uh, nonstop. You don't have to do that for forty eight minutes. You don't have to have a big for rim protection on the floor for forty eight minutes. Um, and like you know, you know what the big thing is with having quickly and having and and now that Cam I think has genuinely emerged mm-hmm. as a plus defender so far this year. Having two guys like that on the perimeter. That's why you don't need to have a rim protector on the floor all the time. Because you're able to contain ball handlers to the point of attack, especially if you're switching. Like, they don't get to the rim. <laughs> right, right. So you just have more opportunities, and you have more options at your disposal. So, like, him leaning into that is super encouraging. And it's just also... But it's encouraging, at, but we can't get carried away. Because we saw against Philly, he did this... You know, he went to Obi to close the game with Randall and that was awesome. But then he like, didn't, but then the next game against Boston, it was like, Nope, not going to do it at all. So who we got next? He, the Warriors. Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, look, if there's a game where you should not care too much about room protection, that's probably the one. Um, but we'll see what he does. But for right now, look, two game sample. We heard that he's going to cut it down to a nine man rotation, which we will talk about. And maybe why, I know Rose had a nice game yesterday, but I'm not super sure that we should care about that or believe in it long term. Um, but he deserves credit for it. He's done some things that he has not normally done. Um, so, yeah. But we can talk a little bit about Randall, uh, who I thought had a great game yesterday. Um, full stop. First, not, no, quick, no before, we get to, before we get to his game yesterday, um, I watched. I'm, I didn't watch the uh, the Utah game live. I watched it immediately before the Denver game. So I was just fucking mainlining Knicks for like six hours straight, which is something I don't advise you to do for your health listeners. But anyway, I did it. And it was very interesting to see because like, I wasn't on Twitter during the game live, but I I was checking in and, you know, there was appropriately a lot of the same similar sentiments, right? Like, oh, Randall's doing annoying shit. And then sometimes like, oh, he's, hanging back a little bit as other guys like Brunson begin to take the lead and all of that. And um, like, Oh, this wasn't the worst Randall game, but let's see him do it again. Like the, the full variety, the full variety pack of, uh, of flavors there. And I, it was actually not as bad as I expected. Again, as Schwinn so often tells us the bar is on the floor here. Right. <laughs> so he was, he was just, not he was being like minimally dickish like he still he relapsed into dickishness a couple times but the main thing that i noticed was like when there's two there's two forms of good randall there's like the fake good randall which is oh other people are like the other people i respect here are cooking i'm gonna let them cook and then there's the true like new randall which is what we saw versus denville which which is not only letting other people cook, but when it's time to get in on the action, you do so in a way that is not dickish, where you're making quick decisions and uh, you're playing defense and all that shit. And 
I think versus Utah, it was more like the fake good Randall, where it was more the absence of errors, even though he still had a plenty of fucking like contests with no hands up and like lazy untransition and all that shit. Um, he still had moments where he was just like trying to play within the flow. And I, I think a lot of the credit there uh, goes actually to Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, we've talked about it before that uh, when he really puts his foot down, like he's the one guy who Julius is content to just like watch cook. And I think you want Julius to do more than just watch Brunson cook, but that is almost like a gateway to Julius beginning to contribute everywhere else because everyone else sees Brunson cook and they're like, Oh, I got to star in my role. Now he's doing his thing. And once you see Tibbs combining that buy-in from everybody with the sort of scheme switches that I think really do engage Randall more. I don't think it's a coincidence that we started switching more and you saw Randall contribute more on both ends within the team flow of the game, because we all know his biggest strength is on ball defense on the perimeter, which is funny because he's a giant, giant person and off ball. He's particularly horrible. Uh, and he was switching on all these different guys versus Denver. And like you, if you know you're switching, it's not just the ball is in front of me. I'm defending the ball. It's that, but you're also waiting for the switch. You're, you're staying with your man because you know, you have to be ready to switch. So that's a different kind of off ball engagement for Randall because he's not just passive. He's waiting for his chance to shine, even though he's off ball which is kind of this weird like psychology jujitsu trick that helps him stay engaged. So, um, you know, I, I really think the defensive scheme stuff blends for Randall into the offense. And it's little things like that, that as a coach, you know, different players get motivated in different ways. And we saw Berman talk about, uh, I forget which article it was in the off season where he, you know, he said something to the effect of like Julius didn't know how to, or Tibbs didn't know how to connect to Julius. And we know those two are not on the same wavelength, which is fucking funny because he just lets Julius do whatever the fuck he wants. But maybe this is a way that they can level with each other a little bit, right? Like, all right, I'm going to put you in a position to succeed. Like you talked about it with Cam, like in the rare occasions where Tibbs actually does evaluate a player and judge their ideal role properly, he can often get a whole lot of buy-in. Like we've seen it throughout his career, especially with role players, right? Guys like fucking Aaron Brooks and Nate Robinson have Kirk Heinrich. Like the, the, the history of the two thousands is littered with random beloved Tibbs role players who just bought into their role. And the, the history of Tibbs is also guys who are role players who have been misassigned and often those are the more high profile guys. But if he can moving forward, like properly define these guys roles, properly define Julius's role, like you might get some games of fake team player Julius, but hopefully you get more like what we saw yesterday. Cause I haven't seen him that bought in since the most improved player year, like full stop. He had some fine games this year. He had some fine games last year, but that shit was different. 
NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers of DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, I mean, he looked great yesterday. Like, there's really no other way to say it. Um, and yeah, like, your, to your point, the Utah game, I again, like, I thought he was flat out bad in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not happy when he came back in. I um, yeah, there's no he should not have come back in and after the OB alley oop or whatever. Right. And so um it's just like it's it's one of those where um you know you're you're I don't even know how to say this, but like he he came back in and I was like, what the hell this like and and, and they immediately went on a run. You tell Immediately went on a yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Knicks were able to withstand it, and it was kind of the same thing. And he looked morose. He looked miserable as Brunson was like salting the game away. So to, for him to have the performance he did yesterday, and I don't know what the hell that happened because he, you know, forget the making of shots. It, it's the effort he played with. It's the it's the effort. It's the the energy, the desire, the endeavor that he played with was so tremendous. Um, and so. It was great to see. I mean, I think I mentioned when they played Memphis, the opening game of the season, I was actually pretty impressed with him in that game because I thought he played with the physicality and like kind of a desire in that game that helped us close the gap in the in the third quarter. But that had gone away. Like I, we just really hadn't seen that that since. And even in that Memphis game, he was still kind of like it was a lot of still the bad Julius ISO shot creation stuff that we were seeing. This was just so different on every level, and um, it had the same energy and all that stuff, but it was all channeled in the right way. Um, he had that one miserable non-box out of DeAndre Jordan, but honestly, look, that happens like once a game to anybody, basically. But that's like that's maybe the only thing I can really remember him just being like, "Oh my god, that was so terrible." Um, but he no, he was great. He was great. And the thing is, if the guy plays like that, then. You know, even if I still would want to trade him, I'd expect actual value back for him. I wouldn't just be like, oh, my God, please dump him for nothing. Um, but, like, he has to do that consistently. And and also, it's very important because this is part of it. Part of the reason to trade Julius or part of the argument for it is, like, you need to see what you have in Obi. You need to see what you have in Obi. If Tibbs is actually going to play them together, like, that changes a lot of things. That changes a lot. And it also gives, like, I think Julius benefits a lot from playing the five too, offensively for sure, and defensively. Like if you're if you're going to have him at the five, but you don't have him play drop and you switch and all that stuff, that just is all better for him. Like you're going to get more out of him too. So there's a multiple 
layers to all of this. And a lot of it has to do with Obi, to be honest, like getting Obi on the floor with Julius and, and trusting him to do that. But like, I mean, you got to be encouraged by what you saw yesterday because we hadn't even seen it. We just hadn't seen it. And we finally saw it yesterday in a way that like felt very, it felt, he's not going to obviously score 24 points and a half and 34 and like, he's not going to shoot really great. But the, the majority of the stuff he did felt like he should be able to do this pretty consistently. Um, and, and that's what made it encouraging. Will he play with that same effort diving on the floor on defense, you know, not hanging others out to dry and all. I don't know. I, there's no way to know it until he does it, but we know it's in there. We know it's still there. So, um, you know, until he does it consistently, there's still going to be skeptics myself included, but, if he again, if he does it consistently, then I'll shut up. I'll t- take the L and I'll be like, "Yep, I'm an idiot. I was wrong. Tyrese was right. Good job, Tyrese." But like, until then, it's just we gotta wait. We gotta wait. We gotta see it for more than however many, you know, five, ten, fifteen games, and then we can really start having conversation about like, okay, well, now do we even need to trade him or should we? Um, you know, that's that's a different thing. So, yeah, I mean, look, we've criticized him a ton. I've criticized him a shit ton so it's only fair that when he has a game like this he gets some credit for it and, and he deserves all the credit for it he's great he was fantastic in that game um you want to know who wasn't fat- fantastic is one rj bear rj bear was terrible i didn't particularly like how he played against utah either apparently he's under the weather okay fine i can understand maybe like the bricking of shots in that scenario and he, and and to that point he has looked very he looks like he definitely is feeling it. He has no pop. He looks really slow. I mean, Jeff Green burned him on a spin move or something yesterday. That like he's gotten burned by fucking players. I don't know how long he's been sick, but like he's been. Uh, maybe he has been sick longer. I, I legit don't know. Like at this point, if how much of it is just him being too heavy? How much of it is him being unathletic? How much of it is him sick? Like. Like, in the Detroit game, he was getting fucking dusted by Boyan. He was getting dusted yeah, by... OKC, OKC game, same shit. He's getting dusted. And... and Fon, Fonte- look, what is the guy? Fontecchio, Fontecchio. or whatever? Like, Fontecchio. This guy was fucking yeah. killing him. Are you shitting me? Right. But, Uncle Jeff and, and so like, <laughs> Yeah. And so, like, maybe... Maybe... maybe look, he, it's possible he's been sick for a while. We don't know. Yeah, okay, that's we, what I'm saying. Really you can't know. rule it out. You legit yeah. can't but, rule it out. But, like, I can – the sickness stuff can explain some of that shit, right? What it doesn't right. explain is, like, your decision-making can't go to shit because you're sick. Like, mm-hmm. you can't – like, he had that possession. Was it at the end of the first or – I think it might have been the end of the first quarter where he, like, gets the ball. It's, it's like, five seconds left. He's running up the floor. He drives. Three guys collapse on him. Three guys collapse on him. Okay. Quickly is wide open on the other side of the floor. It was, like, it was literally man. four or five. It wasn't yeah. even three. <laughs> yeah. And he just, it, he doesn't make the pass. He ends up taking some, you know, spin back mid-range jumper, which he bricked. And it's just like, like I'm sorry, like you being sick doesn't excuse that. That's just a bad decision. That has nothing to do with you being sick, right? Like if you didn't have a passing option, fine. You take that shot, you live with it, not a big deal. But he had options and he didn't take them. And he he's done this. He has shown glimpses of like snapping out of this. I got to score 20, 25 a night, whatever thing. Like, look, 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 
we've said this about quickly, right? Or I've said this about quickly at least, where it's like you can tell me every single every single time he shoots like shit. There will be people that are like, oh, my God, he's so inconsistent, blah, 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 he can't play. This is why he doesn't get more minutes. And all I will tell those people is this is – you can play well without shooting well. And so even when quickly isn't shooting well, he's going to play great defense. He's going to rebound at a high level for a guard. He is going to randomly provide rim protection, which is weird. He is going to push the pace. He's going to play make a bit. He's not going to – completely have blinders on offensively you know like he does things that help you win a basketball game even when he's not making shots Obi Toppin he finds ways to contribute whether he's making or missing shots thank god he's making shots right now it makes it a lot easier but he's finding ways to contribute and neither of them has allowed the way Tibbs has maniacally managed their minutes to date um affect their effort level, their commitment, their energy, the kind of positive attitude they bring to the team. They haven't let it affect that. Now, I'm not saying R.J. Barrett's been a negative energy guy in the team. I don't necessarily think that. I don't think that at all, actually. But, like, I, I don't know what's going on with him. You know, I, I the sickness thing, it answers some stuff. But, like, when I see him, like, being sick can explain you get blown by. Right on the drive or something. That's fine. Okay, fine. I can see that. It doesn't explain just totally losing track of your man on defense. It doesn't explain not boxing out. It doesn't explain, you know, not going after 50 50 balls, right? Like, I've seen that way too many times from this year where he's staring at a rebound. Fucking go get it. Go get it. You're 6'6. Six, six. You're built like an absolute truck. Go get the damn ball. Use, the, use your frame, okay? It doesn't explain the shitty decision making and bad shot selection. It doesn't explain forcing up shots when you have open players around you that you can kick to. It doesn't explain a lot of this stuff. And none of this is to say, like, I don't believe in R.J. Barrett anymore. And No, I, it's not that. But, like, we're 15 games in the season. He's arguably the most important player to kind of, like, elevate the potential ceiling, standing record, whatever you want to say. But he he has, he is very very important to this franchise. We're fifty games in the season, and right now it's like we get four games where you're like, "What the fuck is he doing?" Then you get five games of like, "Oh my god, it's happening! He's making the leap!" And then you get four games of like, "Oh, he's playing like shit. Maybe he's sick. I guess. What's going on here?" Like, it can't it can't it can't be that. And even if you're playing like shit, even if you're shooting like shit, which he's shooting like shit, right? Even when you're shooting like shit, there are ways. To help your team win basketball games. And right now, again, I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he's upset that, like, you know, I signed a big contract. I'm like the third option still, and the, the, I don't get enough plays run for me, and I want to be central. But it's like, I need him to understand you can help us win basketball games. You can be very, very big needle mover by doing more than just scoring 25 points a night. Like, there are things that you can do aside from scoring the basketball to help us win basketball games. And how can you do that? How do you contribute to that? How do you how do you bring that to the table? Because I would say the most disappointing part of watching this year is one of the things we talked about after his sophomore year was like he's not gonna make he doesn't he doesn't get in the passing lanes at done, but he's always in the right place. He's always making the right rotation. He is not forcing the issue too much offensively. He is making quick decisions, he's making right decisions. 
He's taking better shots. Uh, obviously, he struggled as a finisher that year, but like I didn't largely have a problem with his process offensively. And I liked the. I thought his defense was really, really good. I thought it was borderline excellent, maybe close to elite that year. But like he has not maintained that. And last year there was some slippage. You could understand it because he's playing. You know, he's taking way more usage. And okay, that's understandable. His defensive effort this year, his application, however you want to phrase it, has not been good enough. It has not been good enough through it all, you know, from the start of this season to now. So he hasn't been sick all year. I know that much. His defensive application, effort, all that stuff has not been adequate. It's bullshit. He's got to be better. And he's got to snap out of like, you know, we talk about this with Julius all the time, right? Like, you gotta like you like you can control certain things. Control the things you can control. Effort, all that shit. He's not controlling things you can control. Because I think I, I me personally, I'm I suspect that he's probably like, yeah, look, he signed this contract. He probably feels like oh, I gotta score like twenty five a night to like prove it and justify it and you know, prove that I was worth the money and prove, you know what, I am an all star. I should like all this stuff, that's fine. You can feel that way, but like you gotta bring it in certain areas that he's just not doing it in. And you know, this team, if RJ gets his shit together and Randall does, I mean, like, he's not going to play like he did last night every night, but if he just plays better and Tibbs is, you know, like doing funky stuff that he we never thought he would do, like, RJ getting better with those two things, like, that changes a lot for this team. Like, we, they need that. And we're wing, we're short on the wing as it is. Right now, we're just playing two wings right now, right? Like, Grimes is in the rotation, Evans out. So you got two wings. You need RJ to play better because, like, I mean, maybe Cam has turned the corner. Now he's just going to be like the 18 points a night, efficient scoring, great defensive wing constantly. But, like, you are expecting RJ Barrett to make a leap. And right now, he's shown flashes offensively. I'm not actually that concerned about his offense. I just think he needs to snap out of, like, wanting to score so much and proving that shit. I am concerned about the defense, though. Like, that is not, it is not acceptable where it's at. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.